0: I guess because we're being totally honest, I I also have to admit that when opportunities to engage this way come up in, you know, the real-world settings, I often don't. Out of fear, I guess.
1: Ashanti turns in her chair and speaks directly to Suzanne.
2: I think it's important to name what you're afraid of. What are you afraid of?
1: This scene from our last episode marks a turning point in a performance by Breaking Ice, a theater company doing groundbreaking diversity, equity, and inclusion work in this specific case for an audience of hospital staff members at a large regional hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. The difficult discussion taking place among the members of the hospital's diversity advisory group is a wall of resistance that is both familiar and about to be breached. The question Legal Services Administrator Suzanne Linden and Nurse Manager Ashanti Washington are beating their heads against the wall over is, how can we, the so-called Diversity Committee, make any headway on this subject if we can't find a way to have an honest and open conversation about how systemic inequities and implicit bias are affecting our workplace? Fear of judgment? the courage of sharing pain or guilt or confusion, owning, that not knowing is not an excuse for hurtful actions, that humility is hard, and that learning the hard things is harder, and finally, that accepting responsibility is a daily struggle, not a destination. This is the rocky relational emotional landscape being explored by five Breaking Ice performers on a bare stage at Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri in the winter of 2018. Despite the tough issues being explored, the 300 or so staff who have been listening for the past 45 minutes are being more than just a polite audience. In fact, they're into it. This is probably because they recognize the hopes and fears and truths and confusions being shared on stage as their own. In that moment, All the actors rise and stand facing the audience. The actor playing Suzanne continues, but her stance is different, more present.
0: I'm afraid if I stand up and speak out, it's co-opting somebody else's voice. I'm afraid if I don't stand up and speak out, it's a tacit endorsement of the status quo. I'm afraid I'm racist in ways I can't or won't see. And I'm afraid there's actually way more than I even know to be afraid of.
1: Now, as Dr. McElroy steps forward to speak, it's clear that the confused and somewhat defensive doctor we've been watching in this diversity committee scene is fading away, and the actor who's been playing him is taking over and kind of testifying and breaking the imaginary fourth wall at the front of the stage that separates the make-believe world of theater from the real world.
3: I am afraid of being perceived as ignorant, I'm afraid of being perceived as anything that ends in IST or phobic. I'm afraid of being on the receiving end of someone's justified anger. I'm afraid of being linked somehow in someone else's eyes to these super rich, powerful white people way over my head just because I'm a white man. And I'm afraid no matter what we do, any of this, it's not going to make a difference.
1: Listening to him, I'm acutely aware that Over the last 45 minutes, how much I've come to dislike his character. Actually, all of his characters. But now, hearing him describe his fears, his paralysis, I feel like he's been reading my mind. The actor playing Ashanti is next.
2: I am afraid. I am afraid that myself or my siblings will lose our lives to a set of sirens, bullets, and a badge simply for existing. I'm afraid that I will never find a place where I can be both queer and black without feeling like a unicorn. I'm afraid that no matter how much I accomplish, I will always be seen as an exception and never as proof of possibility for my people. I'm afraid that I don't have people. That because my mom is a white redhead and I grew up in the Midwest in the suburbs, that I am too white for black people. But because my dad is a Kenyan immigrant and my skin is the color of this childhood home in Nairobi, that I am too black for white people, and I am afraid that my skin is just light enough to make me feel less dangerous
1: to you. Powerful I'm Afraid monologues like this by all five Breaking Ice actors concluded our last episode. But as you'll hear coming up, there's much more to this story. Just now, another longer scene is playing out on stage. The actor who played IT specialist DeAndre Johnson in our last episode is a stay-at-home husband talking, no, arguing. With his physician wife it's not going well she's two hours late and he's angry that she didn't return his increasingly frantic messages she reminds him that phones are prohibited at the hospital but this is just the trigger for a deeper set of wounds they go back and forth in increasingly fraught circles of hurt and blame he says he feels ignored like a single parent caring for nina their daughter She bemoans his lack of support and his mansplaining. He protests that he gets it and that she has a tough job, but that he has given up a lot for her dreaming of being a doctor and feels shortchanged. It's clear that the dam is breaking for her and she's ready to burst. Her raw vent cuts across the auditorium as she makes it clear that there's no way that he gets it painting an anguished picture of how that dream is actually playing out
4: don't get any support from my app, and it's a voice club and I don't even know how to begin to deal with that I'm constantly being questioned about my credentials because I look too young and because I'm a woman and and you know and patients are I'm constantly around people that think it's okay to be super racist around me because of how white I look and I don't know how to manage that and how to deal with that because it makes me hurt and angry and I know I'm I'm so tired of coming across that and to, today I My day today, I have have been working with this patient, this child, who I've been treating, and we've built this really great rapport between us. And today, the parents found out that I'm Mexican, and so they asked for a different doctor. And I, I just was so tired, and I'm trying so hard to make it all work.
1: They both sit in obvious pain, arms crossed, staring down. The husband looks across at his wife's tear-streaked face. It's not working. She looks up, choking back a sob. I know. Silent seconds pass. They both seem frozen. She clutches herself again and says almost imperceptibly, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Once again, the stage seems to have shrunk. I'm thinking, come on, you two. You could figure this out, but that's not the way it goes. As the husband looks up at the audience and says, Me neither. The crowd is quiet, maybe even stunned a bit. I have no doubt there are people sitting nearby who, like me, expected, maybe even needed, a soft landing at the end of that hard scene. But as I later learn, there are others in the room that know this story personally. And no, there are no easy answers to the heartbreaking tangle of grief and unfairness it represents. Breaking Ice actress Noelle Raymond, the senior director for arts and culture at the company's mothership, Pillsbury House and Theater, and Kurt Kwan, Breaking Ice's artistic director, reflect on the balance they have to strike when they bring the power of theater into diverse, highly complex workplace environments like a hospital or university or even a multinational bank.
0: That's why the people in the room are so important, because we are relying on each other's different perspectives and lived experiences and intersectional identities to help make sure that we're honoring the complexity of these issues too and not squashing everything into if we could just be nice to each other, then everything would be great and really being able to show where where we're bumping into each other and who that's harming the most and why that's harmful in that moment and and not solving it but watching people reckon with it and deal with the the mess and the fallout in real ways like people do you know
5: yeah and it was just walking in that tightrope because there's so many considerations because you know we don't want to traffic in pain porn And we also don't want to traffic in other people's pain. But we want to be able to provide a vehicle to have authenticity and also a vehicle for them to voice that.
1: Now, back on the BJC stage, Talise Sant Esteban, the actress playing the young doctor, steps forward. As I watch her wiping her tears, I find myself wishing for a way out of the emotional dead end we've all just traveled together. She obliges.
4: I'm from. I am from Cuernavaca, Morelos, Mexico. No, that's not by the beach. Nope, not even close to a beach. Yes, I am sure. I am from mountains and valleys, the city of Eternal Spring, a place where honestly I no longer belong. I am from, Oye, guarita, Latina, Hispanic, Mexican, undercover Mexican, a person of color, vague ethnic, soft ethnic, safe ethnic, but you're something, right? Could you make yourself sound a little more authentic? I am from deep breaths and trying hard to figure out who I am in a country that is constantly questioning my identity. I am from my grandmother, who taught me many things, but above all, to never, ever, 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 ever pluck out my eyebrows.
1: (laughs) She continues talking about her brother her struggles with diabetes, and the kindness and generosity of her family. She's followed by the actor Mikkel, who played her husband. He describes his roots in Alabama, being the only actor in his family, and the strange experience of coming to Minnesota where snow is not an anomaly, and people who look like him are few and far between.
3: I am from open fields and a lazy talk. I am from a little warmer weather and a few white Christmases. I am from a big family, but the only actor. I am from, hey, you're black, so drop a beat. And the only thing I can come up with is two words, boots and cats. Boots and cats, boots and cats. I am from old school hip-hop. They say the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I am from living in Alabama and making the conscious decision to move to Minnesota. From the blazing heat to the extreme cold. What was think it I am from the country. I am from Alabama. But a lot of people still choose to pronounce it as Alabama. I am from 2 plus 2 is... Addition. I am from that joke usually not landing.
1: One by one, each actor comes to the edge of the stage, obviously speaking as themselves. They talk about their families, their quirks and hopes, their triumphs and stumbles, sharing their insecurities, what they love and what they're thankful for, all with vulnerability and candor. Then, actress Noelle Raymond moves forward.
0: I am from women who determine their own destiny without ever hearing the word feminism. From Anna, who got on a boat by herself at 20 and lived to be 104 in America. From Bertha, Virginia, who raised five children and from my 15-year-old daughter's crazy long legs and complete disregard for all rules. I am from my four-year-old son's question at the dinner table about whether our family would have to split up if there was a gay marriage ban. I am from, crying through, my I am from, I am from (laughs) being granted the right to marry a few months before my 25th anniversary and feeling very conflicted about whether I wanted to join a club and adopt the norms that had excluded me for so much time.
1: As company member C. Michael Menge begins their I Am From, the story in the room completes its shift from the actors up there and the audience down below to, hey, here we all are together in this big space, fully dismantling that fourth wall
2: i am from when i grow up i want to be a lady prince you mean a princess no no i do not (laughs) i am from houses without heat and electricity but always with heaps of hearts and heated arguments i am from needing to be told a year ago that i don't have to be ashamed of things that i can't control like my skin color and my gender
1: with that the five actors move forward together to the center of the stage and begin to drop a beat. Saint Esteban, the actress who played the young doctor, speaks directly to the audience.
4: Where there is no struggle, where there is no struggle, there is no progress.
0: Where there is no agitation, there is no freedom. freedom, freedom.
4: Then...
1: Noelle steps up.
0: Just stand. Just stand in it with me. Don't ask me to explain it backwards and forwards, around and around, so you can put it on a keychain, a button, or a bumper sticker. Just stand in it with me and feel it with me so you can know it too.
1: And finally, Mikkel Sapp, the Alabama transplant, intones the French poet Guillaume Apollinaire.
3: A pioneer said, come to the edge. It's too high. Come to the edge. We'll fall. Come to the edge. And they came. And he pushed them. And they flew. Oh, thank you.
1: As the applause fades, a smiling Noel addresses the audience.
0: A really warm and receptive audience. First thing on a Monday morning. <laughs> Hi, my name is Noel Raymond. I'm the co-artistic director of Pillsbury House and Theater, of which Breaking Ice is a program. As <laughs> Terry said at the beginning, this is, I think. The fourth time that we've actually been to St. Louis to work with BJC, and a lot of the content that you saw today was created out of conversations that we've had um, with BJC folks. So we we really appreciate the opportunity to learn more about you. Um, And in that vein, we're about to launch into the second half of what we're here to do today, which is to facilitate a conversation that you all have with each other. (coughs)
1: This direct engagement is the pivot point in the relationship the company has been building with the people gathered in this auditorium. Over the last hour or so, this performance has posed some hard questions. Is this our story, and if it is, what's my part in it? And most importantly, what have I learned, and what is my responsibility leaving here? Now the company and the audience will have a chance to explore those questions together.
0: So, we throw a lot at you super fast, Um, so I would love for you just to sit and get quiet for a minute and see what's buzzing, what resonated, what felt familiar, what bugged you, what stuck, and then when you have that, turn to the two or three people closest to you and just share what those are, and then we'll come back as a big group uh, in three or four minutes. Okay? Ready, set, go.
1: Within seconds, the big hall transformed from an uneasy silence to a cacophony of chatter. I look across the room, faces are animated talking, smiling, laughing, listening hard. The woman on my left introduces herself as Marley in home health care. A middle-aged man next to her with sandy hair smiles and holds out his hand. I introduce myself and ask if they work together. Yeah, he says, we're office mates, but actually we don't spend much time here at the hospital. We're mostly in people's homes, so a lot of this is kind of turned around. I turn to them both and ask, how so? Marley smiles. Well, patients here are visitors, and this place can be kind of intimidating, but in our case, we're the visitors, and they are on their home turf. Most often, if we mess up, they let us know. We have to learn really fast. Steve continues. This whole thing today is about trust, especially for us. If our patients don't trust us, then we can't help them, and that's our job. Just then, Noel's echoing voice pierces the clamor. So if I, if I
0: could have everybody's attention back up front, so I can tell you I want to talk, which is awesome. I hope that you continue these conversations, but I want to move us through um, the rest of the dialogue. Uh, so I want to ask a few people to share out what you were talking about, and throw your hand way up high if you have something to share. What were you talking about? What, what resonated? What stuck? See, now here's where everybody goes silent. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody was talking. We saw she you.
1: She spies heard. a hand waving in the back and points.
0: Yeah. When we were talking, um, something
2: that resonated with me was as a nurse. And I grew up in and Ferguson, and when the Ferguson riots happened, the next day I was out at the first aid tent helping whoever needed it. But honestly, as a white female, it was, why are you here? You know. There's a lot of things that I think all of you brought to light as we discussed that are kind of things that people don't really talk about, and I think that's one of them is, you know, if they're helping, let them help. You know, the intent, your intent, I don't care, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, whatever, and I think people miss that, the kindness. The kindness does matter, and I mean, that was something that just care about the
1: books Noel pauses a few seconds and responds.
0: Yes, thank you, thank you, yeah. And it's complicated though, right? Because uh, there's lots of situations where somebody might not be safe. And so trying to create a context and be clear about what allyship means in that moment and be able to to express that that's why you're there um, might help dissipate some of the fear around what, your, what ulterior motives might be based on previous
1: experiences. This back and forth brought to mind something that we used to call the do-gooders dilemma when I worked in California prisons. Some volunteers would complain about a prisoner's lack of gratitude. Of course, everybody likes to be acknowledged for their good deeds, but when one of my prisoner mentors heard this, he responded with characteristic bluntness. Hey, if you're looking for props, you came to the wrong place. Noel points to a woman raising her hand on the left side of the room.
2: In the portion that y'all did about kind of the feedback from the D&I event during that dialogue, it really brought forth what some of those fears were, and we thought about, well, wouldn't it be great if um, in a venue at BJC or on a frequent basis, we could have some type of environment where people could really be honest and really standing their truth. And so people can really be honest about how they feel, if they have fears, and just what's going on, even like um, some of the responses you're saying, well, I don't know the answer. I don't, I don't know where to go, left or right, but at least just acknowledging that is a good place to start.
0: Yeah, thank you. And that's part of what we hope you will start practicing here, is like thinking about how is it that you create an inclusive environment where it's okay to slip up, because we all will, where it's okay to say, I'm afraid to do this because of this, and not have that mean like at water cooler if people will just say, good luck with that, right, That and not have that shut down relationship, but create a space where it's okay to be told that you did something wrong, and to accept that and then change your behavior, right? Great.
1: After a few more comments from the audience, Noel moves from reflecting on what stuck to what people were feeling during the performance.
0: Great. Well, I'm going to move us forward and just ask what kinds of emotions did this bring up for people? Just popcorn, just throw them out. Wow. A wow emotion. Wow. <laughs> Sadness. Sadness. Gratitude. Gratitude. Guilt. Guilt. What else? This side of the room didn't feel anything? <laughs> Frustration. <laughs> Frustration.
6: Frustration.
0: Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.
1: Hope. Po- empathy, hope, po- grief. grief. The dozens of theater artists who have shared the Breaking Ice stages over the past three decades have shared a belief that their craft is not just a delivery system for do gooder messaging about the harm wrought by discrimination and bias. Through their work together, they've forged a common understanding that. The true-to-life stories and recognizable characters they bring to these workplace stages allow connections and insights that are not possible using traditional instruction. Noel Raymond extrapolates.
0: I think at the very basic level, it's what all theater does, which is move people emotionally, right? I think there's a fallacy in the professional world of most industries that we are driven by our intellect and by our analytic selves. And more and more, it feels really clear that we're not. We're we're driven by our emotions and, you know, our, our thoughts and how we process information and how we identify with information creates emotional realities that influence our behavior. But it feels like really to change things substantially and disrupt some of the Ways that harm is being perpetrated inside organizations and person to person, if not more systemically. We have to get to people's hearts. We have to get them to care. They need to really believe that they have a stake in it.
1: Back at BJC, one woman's response to Noel's question about the emotions brought up by the performance dramatically reinforces this point.
6: Yeah. For me, it was everything. It was all the thing everybody talked about because you really tackle everything that we live in today in this political environment, <laughs> and which was very important to us to hear. At the same time, what do we do after here is what I'm thinking about. Yeah. And being an immigrant, people don't know how you, when you open your mouth, how they look at you, how they behave to you. To me, it was very, very emotional in every way. I think my eyes are wide from the paper. Oh, <laughs> that that sure. I was using because we don't talk about it. Yeah. And when you bring it out, you are the one, the evil one, talking about somebody... Uh, addressing you with things. And I'm having a meeting with somebody who I thought did the same thing to me today. And they gave me a way to go and talk to him about what I really feel right to put it out right yeah. right. yeah. Because we have to be strong enough to start a conversation. Even though if it's uncomfortable for the other party because I have to also consider my own health. Because it's not healthy to hold it in. That yes. is not just from outside, it's we bring that too. It's, I don't want to take all your time. Well, thank you. You just said
0: everything. Yeah. <laughs> A number of things I want to so emotion is important, right? We're and you're healthcare folks. We're we're emotional beings. We cannot separate how we feel from who we are. We cannot leave it aside before we go to work. And especially as leaders and managers, paying attention to how you make people feel and the work culture you're creating in whatever sphere of influence you have, that's really important. You know there's that Maya Angelou quote, people won't remember what you said, they won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Right? So how do you get super curious? as leaders about making people feel awesome wow all day every day um what is it that you can do what is within your control to create a space where people feel good where people feel free to say when you've slipped up where people are getting really curious about each other and trying to come together rather than getting worried about how you might be slipping up and creating an environment where everybody has to stuff everything right and the other point that you so beautifully and eloquently brought up, is that this is a practice, right? Nobody's going to get this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff right today or tomorrow or three years from now. It's about really taking it and changing your behavior and thinking about how this becomes something you do every day that is practiced as leadership, right?
1: This point about leadership and practice is at the heart of the breaking ice approach which is their own rigorous and respectful practice, bringing theater into the workplace, not as a lecture or a mandated training, but as a hands-on collaborative learning experience. Kurt Kwan explains.
5: It's that aesthetic distance, right? If you see someone fall in front of you, Every part of your body is going to say, I need to help that person up. If you watch it on a screen, that's a little different. If you hear about it, that's also very different, right? Noelle and I were having a conversation about grounding the work because there are so many new variables within the workspace, the culture space, the political space, all those pieces. And how do we not just pedal? you know, be nice to each other. This is diversity. How are we on the front edge of that? And really helping people get to that space where they understand what the work is in the future and all those pieces. And what Breaking Ice does and what theater does is really showing in human ways the impact on the people who are being crushed. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what we do. I think if you see someone being crushed, how do you feel about them externally, all the labels you attach, there's a different sort of impulse, I think.
1: There's a saying, the more I know of your story, the less likely I am to fear you, to hurt you. And I think that rings true in many cases. Another way of putting it might be learning about each other both expands our common ground and shrinks areas of potential conflict or misunderstanding. It's striking then in high stress collaboration-intensive workplaces, like hospitals and schools and corporations, how little people really know about each other beyond the transactional framework in which they operate. In their conversations with the workers at BJC and other organizations, concern with the disconnected, impersonal nature of the workplace is a common theme. It's not surprising, then, that each Breaking Ice performance concludes with an invitation to create, and then share a personal I am from poem.
0: I just want to unpack that a little bit. So what was was that like? Either thinking about your I am from story, sharing your I am from story, hearing other people's I am from stories. What what was that like? Emotional. Emotional. Enlightening. Eye-opening. Eye-opening. Yeah, thank you. Cathartic. Personal. Personal. Burdening, Burdening lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So that was 10 minutes of your life. And in that, how how many of you found out something about the people sitting next to you that you didn't know?
1: Most of the people in the room raised their hand.
0: How many people found points of connection that you didn't know you had?
1: Again, hands pop up all over.
0: Yeah, so that so in 10 minutes, that exercise helped you create relationship and be vulnerable and courageous in a way that I would posit is the way you start this diversity and inclusion work, right? That, that this is the space where you want to be in order to be able to say who you really are and how you really feel and, and show up fully at work. Um, and then I'm from exercises. It's both about ha- having you really think about who you are and what makes you you and what makes you show up the way you show up. But it's also about identifying those unconscious biases, right? What are your gaps? What are the things that are shaping how you're perceiving everybody and all of the situations that you're in? And how do you bring those to the level of awareness so you're making conscious choices about those things, right? So my last question. Question for you all before you're really to your Monday day is um, what are you going to do? So how do you take whatever experience you've had here today and think about how to turn this into a practice with what you have control over, the assets and the sphere of influence that you actually have some control over? How do you think about making this active?
1: O.L. points to a hand, waving in the back of the room. We
2: have have a team meeting, and I immediately thought I'm going to take the I am from to my team meetings and share that.
0: Yes, that exercise does not belong to us, and we've used it in many, many, many different contexts. What else? What else can we do?
1: Another audience member stands.
0: Um, I think that, like you mentioned, having space to
2: to really work on this, um, because it does take time, and also grace. And understanding that people are going to slip up and just having that, um, just that kindness and most respectful interpretation of, and just <laughs> helping people uh, grow
7: in it together.
1: Heads are nodding as Noelle points to a woman in the far corner of the room.
7: Yeah. What else? I'm seeing um,
2: actual, like, bubbles that say I am from people's heads and kind of keeping that
7: image, front of mind, so that as you're interacting with others, recognizing that they're coming from a lens and a perspective and what they may have (laughs) looked at the door that day, um, and extending that grace and
0: releasing that to yourself. Yeah, and we're all way more layered than we visibly present, right? There's lots of ways that you can go learn things. There's lots of ways to put yourselves in context where you are uncomfortable in order to practice moving through that discomfort with grace. There's lots of ways that you can bring up these kinds of conversations to make it easier for other people to actually have them. And there's lots of ways that you can... Um, model that kindness and that respect and that inclusion in the way that you interact with all of the people that you interact with on a daily basis. I'm seeing people pointing to somebody. Got a hand? Yes,
2: okay, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say as well, Julian, I am in the team meeting, but one thing that I do with my team is just get to know them outside of just their work, um, job responsibilities, expectations, but who they really are as people so then they do feel more comfortable talking with yeah. you. So if something does arise, of just sharing information, they feel like they can.
0: Yeah, great. Get really super genuinely interested in finding out who people are,
1: right? Noel pauses and steps back a bit. Then she bows almost imperceptibly to the audience.
0: Great. I am going to say goodbye and thank you so much. We so appreciate the energy and the vulnerability that you have shared with us this morning.
1: the applause, she turns to an elegant black woman who has been standing in the wings and holds out the mic.
8: Hello, everyone. I'm Jada Reese, and I have the privilege to lead HR for Home Care, Behavioral Health, and Corporate Health. So, I want to first exhale (laughs) and thank you all for being here. I mean, was that not one of the most powerful things you've experienced truly in your adult life, right? I had tears and this is not my first time seeing this. Uh, My colleagues had tears. It is just something when you think about the human spirit because that's really what we're talking about. And so we want to thank you all for being so vulnerable and leaning in because that's really what this is about. I came from an era of leadership where you didn't talk about what was happening at home. It was about work. Didn't want to know your personal life, right? And now we're saying we have to know that because that's who you are. It has to come in without judgment, right? That story about the wife and immigration and HR, we see that all the time and it's a scary time for us. And in healthcare, we have to know who people are. We have to embrace 100% of one another in order for us to do our best work, would you agree? So as leaders, when we think about what is next, each of us has a little drop that we can put into the pond to make the ripple.
1: For Breaking Ice, this is the kind of conclusion to a performance that they hope for, but truly have no control over. They know that the story of their being here is A very small moment in the life of an organization like BJC with a $6 billion budget and 27,000 employees. But they also know from their many years doing this work that the ripples that Jada Reese referenced are real when they are owned and nurtured and supported over time by leadership. Here's Kurt Kwan.
5: I think we always observe those organizations who have leaders step up in that space and participate in that way are always the higher probability of success because it's a strategy top down. You know, I mean, and I think that's not just us. I think that knowledge is out there and is being passed around as well. So uh, I'm really heartened every time a leader comes in and says, I'm about it. I'm here. I'm learning with you. And I think that's also uh, notes that change in leadership, especially corporate leadership, which was heavily top down, right, in all aspects. And lateralizing that leadership and identifying many different types of leadership has also been, you know, in tandem with this work as well.
1: Noel also sees the long term relationships they have with these committed leaders as equally critical to making an impact on large systems like BJC.
0: You know, often it starts with a one-off, right, for the senior leadership, and then they realize, oh, this is a powerful experience, and wouldn't it be great if we could all talk about this at all levels of the organization? And so they want everybody to have had this as a base common experience and a way to reference, like Kurt said, that aesthetic distance, that thing that they did in Breaking Ice, that's this thing right here right? To be able to to name, remember when that actor did that thing, or they said that in that meeting, or when they called out white privilege, and that's what's happening right now. Often, we're part of an ongoing thread in organizations for multiple years. And I feel like we're colleagues with the DEI folks for the length of time. And I also feel really responsible to help them be successful in what they're trying to do and that what we bring adds value and boosts and amplifies their work.
1: This has certainly been the case in their relationship with BJC Healthcare. When this visit, their fourth, concluded, they had worked with all of the company's senior and mid-managed level employees. And at the time, plans for continuing to spread the breaking ice wealth were in the works. Postscript. Needless to say, when the pandemic hit, America's healthcare system shifted into a crisis mode and large-scale in-person programs, like Breaking Ice, were halted. True to their nature, though, as resilient, adaptive creators, the Breaking Ice team produced an online version of the show that was performed for a BJC affiliate and many other organizations. Doing this was both a challenge and a revelation. It reinforced the company's firm understanding that there is no substitute for the dynamism of live theater, but also showed how virtual programming can help extend the power of their work. A Shining Example is a short addition to the I Am Afraid piece that was featured in Chapter 1 of this Breaking Ice series. It was created by company member Amy Bryant, and it's called I Am Not Afraid,
7: I am not afraid. I am not afraid of your fear of me, and I am not oblivious to the danger that that fear poses. I know hatred. I know brutality. I know discrimination. I know systemic. Oppression. I know slavery and the middle passage and lynching and Jim Crow and redlining and the preschool to prison pipeline and the achievement gap and mass incarceration and the war on drugs and the war on poverty and how the American injustice system applies to just us. I know Blackface and Backstreet Boys and Macklemore and I know Ben Carson Clarence Thomas, Diamond and Silk, Kanye West. I know, we know, but I also know that in the words of Ntozake Shange, we have never met an enemy that we cannot outlive. So I am not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know who we are. I know that we are powerful. I know that we are creative. I know that we are resilient. I know that we are beautiful. I know that we are indomitable. So I am not afraid. We're here and we're not going anywhere. So I'm not afraid. I'm ready. As
1: 2023 marches on, Breaking Ice is ready to to respond to the increasing demand and overwhelming need for the transformational power of their work. We're honored to have had the opportunity to share their story and a loud and hearty shout out to the dozens of committed creative change agents who've worked over the years to hone and present Breaking Ice to audiences all across the United States. Change the Story, Change the World is a production of the Center for the Study of Art and Community. Our theme and soundscape spring forth from the head, heart, and hands of the maestro Judy Munson. Our text editing is by Andre Nebe. Our effects come from freesound.org, and our inspiration rises up from the ever-present spirit of Oop-235. So, until next time, stay well, do good, and spread the good word, and rest assured, this episode has been 100% human.